What's up, YouTube? It's your boy, Robert R. Ricks. We will continue and probably finish it out uh, today. Uh, Magic Really Sucks, Volume 1, Revelation. We left off on Chapter 34. Uh, I am hanging in there, Paula. I am hanging in there. I am still in uh, a lot of pain, but I figured... I'm gonna hurt regardless and I really wanted to uh, wrap it up so without further ado let us get into magic really sucks revelation get this a little bit closer to me here like that I think all right chapter 34 offers Utah Sanctum, 6.17 p.m., April 12th. The Sanctum was dark when they arrived. Ethan motioned with his hand and a large room illuminated softly. He sighed and stretched. Sparkles paced and stared at Ethan. So, I'm just going to ask the question, started Sparkles. The Oracle hooked up Savage? Why? Ethan thought about it. Now that I have some time to think about it, Savage made it sound like he did a lot of work for her as well as spent a lot of money. I think this happened before we got involved. Valk's been gunning for him for a while now, plus the Oracle got Valk to us. Looks like he and Valk both paid a visit to the Oracle for basically the same thing, but he's been in contact with her recently because he knew all of us by name. I bet the Oracle gave him one of her talismans for him to speak with her, though. Through. Just then, a gentle knock came from the door. Melissa tensed up. Probably another pizza delivery from the Oracle, Ethan joked. I don't think so. I sense a dark power there. Which should be impossible, said Melissa cautiously. What? Ethan clicked up his armor as well as mentally checked all of his spells. She's right. I can sense a lot of power from beyond the door. Ethan pulled his spare band and handed it to Valk. Put it on and use it while I see who's at the door. She nodded. And as he turned, he heard her engage the band, as did the others. He opened the door and saw a well-groomed man standing there with a beautiful suit and matching hat in hand. He was handsome, and there was something about his eyes which instantly chilled Ethan's blood. Allow me to introduce myself. The man extended his hand for a handshake, and as he did, Ethan reflectively took it and shook it as he heard Melissa whisper, Lucifer. The grip was firm and not aggressively strong, and Ethan thought to himself, this is what a perfect handshake feels like. As they shook hands, the man continued, I am Lucifer. You are Ethan Higashi. Yes? Randy speaks many great things about you. They released, they released grips, and Ethan's eyes widened. Randy's still alive, then? I had heard he'd survive, but wasn't sure. Yes, he is alive indeed. May I come in and continue our conversation? Melissa stepped forward with a look of concern. How are you standing there? The, the wards are useless against me, child. They are nice, though. Very creative. Ethan examined Lucifer and wondered. 
Can you defeat Lucifer in a fight? Asked Cat, knowing his question. Yeah. I don't know. His power is amazing, though. I am curious why he has come. Same. Either step back and motion to a nearby table. Please, come in. Thank you. Lucifer entered the apartment and handed his hat down to Sparkles. What do you want me to do with it? She asked, confused. Please watch over it for me, Sparkles. It's my favorite hat. Sparkles took it to a nearby large pillow and set it gently down. Lucifer sat and eyed Valk and nodded. Ah, Valk, good to see you. I see hanging out with Ethan and Melissa has changed the path you were originally supposed to take. Lucifer motioned with his pinky and an image of the fight she had just completed with Savage showed an entirely different outcome where Savage's head was on the ground in front of her. I much preferred that ending to the one I just watched, he said with a grin. You watched? Falk asked, surprised. He nodded. Yes, indeed. You see, when someone sells their soul to me, I can see all things that have happened and usually what will happen. I can also jump in and see real time. I can rewind, fast forward, zoom in, etc. You get what I'm saying. Anyway, as I reviewed the footage and noticed some discussion of an oracle, Ethan and Valk nodded. I further reviewed your timeline and saw the information about power cards, the trumps. Lucifer's eyes glittered. Do you know what they are capable of? He asked with a small smile. Ethan nodded. Ah, I see you've actually used the cards. Very interesting. Not to be rude or anything, especially as you are a guest. With all due respect, what do you want? Lucifer stared at Ethan for a moment and nodded. Fair enough. There are debts to be handled and fees to collect. You see, Valk was not the only one who had sold her soul to me. Savage also had done the same years ago. With the recent turn of events, I have to wait longer for Savage. I was expecting him to arrive in processing tonight. Also, I was expecting to have Valk processed. There are two souls that have been delayed because of your intervention. Also, I was to have one of the power cards, and you interfered with that. Quite the annoyance you're becoming a little... Quite an annoyance you're becoming a little demigod. Uh, quite the annoyance you're becoming, little demigod. Not my intention to annoy you, Ethan admitted. Understood, and yet you have. Is that all? No. You know full well in the end, I'll get what I want. I am nothing if not patient, but there is one who vexes me much more than you could ever hope to. Who's that? Ethan asked, generally interested. She's watching now with a smug little grin on her face. That would be the Oracle. She has what I want. Which is the rest of the deck, of course. You want her complete deck? Nearly completed deck. There are a few cards missing, which I'll get to eventually. Why do you want the deck? Asked Ethan, more curious than anything else. Well, as one who has used a few of the cards and seen the power, can you imagine what a full deck could do? Ethan hadn't thought about that. No, he admitted. Well, it'd be something to behold, for sure. Okay, I get it. You want the power. 
What does that have to do with us? Well, if the Oracle was dead, then the deck would be unprotected. Wait, you want us to kill the Oracle? Asked Ethan, surprised. Yes, not going to happen. Yeah, added Sparkles. Melissa watched in silence the whole time, her hand on her hilt, ready and coiled tight like a snake. Oh, I know you're not assassins. I'm just saying, if a time comes, and for reasons of your own, you decide the world is better without her, I'd be indebted to you. Which means what? Ethan pressed. Having Lucifer owe you a favor is always a good thing, and as a gesture of my goodwill, he motioned towards Valk, who shook violently for a moment, and a faint black trickle of slime came from her good eye. Marks started to appear and covered her from her arms to her calves. I've gotten rid of that nasty poison from your system as well as reset those marks of yours. Play your hand well and you'll live out your life until your normal natural death of 97 years old. I'm pretty sure that's right. Eh, Melissa? Melissa examined Valk and slowly nodded. Natural death cycle on Valk did show the age of 97. What would it take to remove the marks completely and give her back her soul? Asked Ethan quickly. Lucifer's eyes narrowed. A deal's a deal. We don't normally do what you ask, but there are a couple of things we could do. If one of you three would take her place. No, said Valk, still recovering from the purging of the poison. My deal. You guys will not do this, she barked. Or give me back my card you stole. No, Ethan, that's not a good idea, said Cat. I won't. Or in addition to my obligation to you, I'd throw Valk in to sweeten the pot on killing the Oracle. So basically, you're going to make it very hard for us to save Valk. Hey, a deal's a deal. Feel fortunate I even extended the three offers to you. It's only who I am that these are even options. Think about it. I have all the time in the world. If you ever need me, just call my name, and I'll be there. Isn't that a Jackson 5 lyric? Asked Sparkles with a slight smile. Yeah, real talent there, Lucifer winked at Sparkles. Could you be a love and fetch me my hat? Sure thing. Sparkles growled, and the hat levitated and floated towards Lucifer, who plucked it out of the air and smiled. Thank you. I appreciate you taking the time to discuss these matters. Lucifer stood again and extended his hand to Ethan. Ethan shook it and nodded back. Thanks for not attacking us. My boy, why would I do that? Better to find friends than enemies. Speaking of friends, would you like me to send Randy back up to help? Ethan shrugged. Yeah, might not be bad to have him back. Lucifer released the grip and nodded. It'll be done. Lucifer nodded to everyone as he turned towards the door. Be careful with the Oracle. She's not quite what she appears to be. Understood. Lucifer opened the door and walked out, and Ethan closed the door behind him. Let's set the house to shift now. Let's set the house to shift now, Ethan said, feeling overwhelmed with fear and anxiety. Okay. Ethan motioned, said several words, and Sparkles looked around. We shift into Sanctum? Yeah, that freaked me out. He may be able to enter the house, but he can't if he can't find us. Doesn't matter, said Valk. He can see anything I see since I sold him my soul. Ethan nodded. Melissa, you know anything about this? Yes, I have heard about it. 
Can anything be done? I am a little disturbed by the fact that Lucifer can see what we're doing. The council can see. The oracle can see. Is there anyone who doesn't have ringside seating? Melissa thought long and hard and shook her head. I wonder if the cards could do something about it, said Cat slowly, cautiously. Ethan thought about it. Didn't you examine the cards? Yes. Do you think? I think if you used a magician card with the lovers, it could. How? If we took the negative aspect of the lovers, break up, shun, and amplify that with a magician, and put a ward on us, that would cause a really negative backlash on anyone who tries to spy on us. Kind of like what would happen if you hacked your ex-girlfriend's computer to see what was going on and you found a new love interest. We take that kind of pain and negativity and push it through the roof. If nothing else, the amount of magic backlash would cause a lot of noise and make it harder for them to see. I get it. I like it. Guys, listen up. Kaz give me an idea which might make it harder for the, all the powers that be from spying on us. Tell them the bad news, says Sparkle, shaking her head. Sparkle's alluding to the fact that I'm going to use two of the power cards to do the spell. Melissa thought about it and slowly nodded. Valk also waited and nodded. Guys, if there were any other way, I'm all ears. But before we talk any more, I want to put up the wards. The group nodded. Ethan pulled his blade. And when he had his blood, he called each of the cards one after the other. Egam, Revol, and both cards hovered in front of him. He grabbed them. They pulsed in his hand with a sense of eager anticipation. I think you need to put the card you want to have primary effect from on the top. It needs to face a certain direction. For the lovers, it makes sense to put it with the top of the card facing down. Magician card will be the amplifier. Put it face up under the lovers. Ethan nodded. That made logical sense. As he placed the cards in the correct order, he could feel the power growing and flowing through him. Now you want to use something jagged and sharp as a barrier. You also want to focus on the barrier spells and focus on the ones you want to be protected from scrying and eavesdropping. Ethan began to craft the glyphs in his mind, and Kath would add some directives to the spell in his mind to help. When it had solidified, he nodded. Okay, now to boost the spell and see what the cards can do. Valk? Ethan reached out one hand towards her, while his other hand rested on the cards. Valk took his hand. She felt an icy flow of energy snake around her. Ethan could see faint black glow with a tint of green flecked within it around Valk and nodded, as he was sure the ward had covered her. Valk could feel it in her. It wasn't, it wasn't uncomfortable, but it was noticeable. Valk stepped back once. She knew it was done. Melissa. Melissa stepped forward and took Ethan's hand. She felt the same thing Valkyrie had felt, and noticed with her, the energy flowed around her and then returned to Ethan. Nothing on you that the others are using, noted Ethan. Sparkles. Sparkles floated up and Ethan placed a gentle hand on her back. She could feel the energy flow around her, and again, a cold chill, and then the energy returned to Ethan. He nodded, focused on himself, and the energy swirled around him, and he felt a deep chill fill him and he glowed brightly for a moment. Makes sense, says Sparkles. We knew everyone was keeping tabs on you. What with the guide stone and the oracle's talisman. It's done, said Cat softly. So what happens when someone tries to snoop? Not sure, but it's not going to be fun for sure. Ethan lifted the cards and sent them back into their individual rotations one at a time. When they were gone, he felt a huge weight lift from his shoulders. He glanced down at his fingers and saw the cut had healed again. How you feeling, Valk? I feel fine. I feel 100% since the poison's gone. 
Sparkles purred next to Valk's leg and smiled. I'm glad. I was worried about you. I'm good. Thanks, guys. I got a question for you, Valk. How many of those marks did you start out with? Asked Melissa. 350 red, 350 black. They cover all of you? Asked Ethan inquiringly. Not everywhere. Just the arms. Goes down my back and then down my legs. They start at my wrist and end at my ankles. So how many did you have left before Lucifer resets you? Melissa continued. Eleven black, eight red. Whoa, you didn't have a lot left, said Sparkles amazed. They served their purpose. I think these will last longer now that Savage is taken care of. Speaking of Savage, what are you going to do now? Asked Ethan. What do you mean? I figured you'd stayed with us because the Oracle told you that if you stuck it out with us, you'd get your shot at him. He's locked up safe and sound, so what now? Figured I'd roll with you for a bit longer since it seems to get more and more interesting. Besides, I think Melissa, Sparkles, and Cat will need all the help they can get with you. Plus, I don't want you doing anything stupid. Ethan got stern. You know that things we're most likely going to run up against aren't going to be are going to be nasty. I have a feeling the last card's going to be something else. I'm not going to lie and say I'm not nervous about it. I guess what I'm trying to say is I'm worried about you. If you die, you're going to go. You know? To hell? Yeah, I know. I get it. You don't want to lose me. Somewhere along the line, you caught feelings for me. Ethan blushed. Wait, no. I mean, yeah, but no. Melissa laughed. Oh my god, you're so red. I love it. Val, take a picture with your phone. Guys, I'm trying to be serious here. Val hurried, snatched her phone, and snapped a pic. Yeah, Ethan's having a moment here, and you guys are ruining it, laughed Sparkles. Ethan turned a deeper shade of red, and his embarrassment turned to anger. Seriously, Ethan, don't be like that, cried Melissa, as he turned and walked towards the kitchen. Sparkles grinned, and the room filled with laughter. Chapter 35, Back on Your Feet. Hell, April 12th. Randy Rise, said Lucifer with a small smile. Randy opened his eyes and looked around and saw Lucifer staring down at him. How do you feel? I feel great. Good. I want you to take your obese form to the gatekeeper. We're going to send you back topside again. Really? Yes. I spoke with Ethan and he values your help. Get going. Time waits for no demon. Randy sat up and moved quickly. He wasn't about to deny the offer to be on the earth again. Demons rarely got a second chance. And there was... There he was with his third opportunity to make Lucifer happy himself. How will I find them? You can track them and watch them by a marked soul. Who's got a marked soul? The one known as Valk. Here. Lucifer ta tossed Randy a pendant that looked like a small mirror in a silver ring. Just look into it and you'll see what she sees and hears. Randy raised it up, stared with his large eye. A large dagger with multiple barbs shot forth and stabbed into his eye. He screamed and dropped the pendant. Huh, that wasn't supposed to happen. Let me see. The pendant rose to Lucifer's hand. Show me Valk. He saw a wall of blades rise up, obscuring his vision, and the background noise surrounded like garbled laughter. Oh, you clever, clever boy, Lucifer said with a grin. You used the cards. Randy suffered in silence, daring not draw attention to himself. Lucifer pondered the situation and thought for a moment. He motioned, and a small golden compass appeared in front of him. He noticed Randy on his knees, blood pouring from his wounded eye. 
Oh, suck it up. Lucifer waved and Randy's eyes healed up instantly. You won't be able to track the girl, but you will be able to find Ethan. How? This. Lucifer raised one finger up and a wicked talon extended from his nail, and he sliced his hand with it. Blood welled up in the palm of his hand and he submerged the compass in it. The blood was absorbed. The wound healed nearly instantly. He smiled and handed the compass to Randy. It's enchanted to point to Ethan's location. Randy nodded and turned to leave. Lucifer walked in the opposite direction and the faint sound of tormented women and children screaming made a hauntingly beautiful symphony as he entered the throne room. There were dozens of high-ranking demons having discussions and they all paused and gave their respect as he entered the room. He nodded in motion and they all silently gathered and left the room. There was a faint sound in the throne room doors closing muffling the tormented symphony. He knew he wouldn't be able to see a real-time view of Valk but that didn't, ma that didn't mean he couldn't review her past. He jumped to various parts of her history and stopped as she was in Japan talking with Amaterasu and listened with interest as they discussed Ethan's father. He smiled and chuckled. A goddess and a fallen angel. Randy continued walking for another two hours and it never ceased to amaze him just how large hell was. He finally arrived at the gatekeeper's shop. I'm heading back up. Is there another body almost ready? There will be in about three hours. Randy nodded as he examined a compass which pointed west, almost back the way he came. He realized the compass was powerful indeed if it could track Ethan from hell itself. Chapter 36 Wonderland, Utah Sanctum, 10.20 p.m., April 12th Ethan was still embarrassed as he returned to the group and Valk had a serious look on her face. What's wrong, Valk? I think your barrier spell just kicked off a little bit ago. How do you know? I felt the surge of power from the small of my gut. Then it shot out. I felt something almost move in me and then something sharp for a moment. And I had a flash of Randy in my mind. Hmm. But nothing else? Pain? Very slight but weird. Anyways, sorry for ribbing you earlier. I care about you guys as well. I'm, I'm going to ride Crazy Train for a while longer if it's cool with you. Totally cool with me. I just scanned Val for medical issues and she seems good. Nothing to be concerned with, but I see the energy pattern she's referring to and I see it as well when I look over her. And me? Yep, you and Valk. Melissa and Sparkles are normal. Hey, hey, hey. I've been called a lot of things. Normal is not one of them, declared Sparkles. Funny. Hey, Sparkles. I think it's time we discuss the King of the Fae. And Ethan, uh, said Ethan as he chuckled. Sparkles shrugged. Hey folks, Ethan wants to discuss the King of the Fake cast, which I think is part of the course, right? I mean, hell, we just had to sit down with the King of Hell, says Sparkles. Valk nodded, and Melissa sat on her favorite large pillow, which levitated two feet off the ground. As I said before, the King is blunt. He'll make a deal that will benefit him mostly, and will tell you exactly where the card is. He'll break the location down to the exact inch. Above and beyond that, nothing more, nothing less. He won't know anything about protections, etc., but he will be able to tell you what you want to know. Does the king allow anyone audience? Asked Melissa with purpose behind her question. No, but he will for us because of me. Good. Is the fake kingdom easy to find? Asked Valk. Well, it isn't hidden or jumps around like the sanctum. Why? Do many people know the king's ability? Valk continued. I suppose it's a known ability to mages who delve deep into fake hat lore. Again, why? I'm just nervous that someone could 
deal with the king and learn where the cards are at, Falk finished. Sparkles nodded. Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah, he could track those cards too, but that would be four favors, and the way Ethan has the cards moving, the king would have a very hard time trying to explain to whoever is asking where they are. So how do we get to see the king? asked Ethan. Well, there's a few gateways. As it happens, there's one here in Utah. It's near a place called the uh, Skinwalker Ranch. Ethan nodded. Yeah, I've heard of this place. Heard of that place. There's supposed to be a lot of supernatural stuff going on there. Yep, it's the nexus spot. There's a small tear there that allows things to come and go. To reach the Feylands, you have to go through a nexus hole. Great, said Valk. What? asked Ethan, confused. Nexus holes suck. You ever flown somewhere really humid? Yeah, Hawaii. Okay, so imagine you come off the nice cool plane. Suddenly you're hit with the wet dampness like a hot sun or steam bath. Okay, now instead of it being on the outside of your body, it's inside. When you pass through those nexus holes, you feel disoriented and nauseous. It takes a good 15 minutes to pull it together. Sounds like you've done it before, said Sparkles. Nexus holes? Yeah, a couple. Wish I could say they get easier each time. They get easier each time, but... You do it, but nope. Yep, you got it. So anyways, here's the key to the thing to remember about the nexus holes. Pretty unpredictable. You need to move quickly through it. If one ever collapses on you, it's bye-bye you. So move fast. The one at Skinwalker Ranch has been pretty solid for a while now. I've used it a dozen times or more. So I think we're probably going to be fine. Also, one at a time. I saw a couple pass through one uh, once going hand-in-hand. They got to the other side and their hands were combined. Well, well, it was pretty gross. Ethan swallowed and nodded. Sounds fun. Oh yeah, one more thing. If you see a huge wolf, leave him alone. He's a perfect example of don't start no shiz, won't be no shiz. Leave the big bad wolf alone. Got it. Anything else? Oh man, the most important thing. Do not, I mean, do not mention Cheshire Cat to the king. He's still a little bent about it. It's the reason that most mages aren't allowed in to see him anymore. Charles Dodgson's to blame for that one. Why? Does he have a huge grin? Actually, no. The king rarely smiles, has sharp wit about him, and is blunt to the point. Then why did he describe him in such a way? Inside joke. You see, Dodgson actually had dealings with the king similar to us, but... His was more personal, and he was embarrassed to say it in front of the court, and the king graciously allowed him to approach. As he did, Dodson noted the king had a slight Cheshire cheese smell to him. The king mentioned he had just had a plate of it with crackers, and Dodson smiled and joked, Well, that's good, because you smell like cheese. I'd have to call you the Cheshire Cat. The rest is history. So, yeah. A good idea not to mention any resemblance. The king does have a shimmer of purple that happens when he's content, but usually he's more slate gray, or if he's in a really bad mood, red. Good information. Yeah, I'm sure when he sees me it's going to shift red, just so you know. Understood. Ethan looked around. I know he just got back from Savage's place. We can chill a day if you want. Sparkle shrugged. I'm not tired. Valk did most of the work back there. I'm still on adrenaline buzz from meeting Lucifer. I don't think I could sleep if I wanted to. Melissa nodded. Yeah, I'm amped. Let's go meet the king. This is exciting. Valk had a huge smile. I feel great. I'm anxious to start walking a new direction. It seems like a good one to start. Ethan motioned and cast a spell to put Sanctum back at its original anchor. 
we're back in Utah now. Sparkles, if you'd be so kind to get us where we need to go. Yep, yep. Sparkles motioned and growled a bit, and the portal opened up near a pitch black area which was hard to see. They stood in a field near the notorious Skinwalker Ranch, which was southeast of Ballard, Utah. It bordered in a Ute Indian reservation to the west. Sparkles began walking quickly. We're near it. Nobody should be here. Place is locked down, and if you tried to drive up here, you would have been turned away. They walked for about a minute, and there was shifting in front of them. Oh boy, said Cat. What? asked Ethan. That's a big wolf. Ethan concentrated saw a faint tint of heat ahead. It's almost invisible, he noted. You'll see it soon enough. A moment later, and the wolf walked up directly in front of Sparkles. Hey, you big nasty. How's tricks? The wolf examined Sparkles and arrested the team, snorted once, turned away. It trotted off as quick as it'd come. Like I said, he's harmless most of the time. Sparkles motioned once with her paw, and a faint ringed portal shifted into view. Just like I said, one after the other. Keep moving fast. Once you're through, move to the side and take a few more steps. Throw up if you need to. Falk stepped forward. You want to go first, Sparkles? Yeah, just in case this nexus is guarded. Sparkles moved quickly into the portal, and a brilliant flash lit up the sky as she did. Wow, that's not noticeable at all, said Valk. Don't take too long, as she ran into the nexus. A brilliant flash, brighter than sparkles, lit up the sky and surrounding area. Melissa was next. She bolted through. Again, a brilliant flash. In a distance, Ethan heard the sound of an engine as well as a helicopter. Guests were drawing attention. He sprinted in and immediately saw a wild twisting of light and sound. He felt a wild vertigo and pushed on. I got you. It's not affecting me. I'll drive. Sounds good to me. His legs worked harder. He closed his eyes to mitigate the swirling madness. In many ways, he felt like he was spiraling down a rabbit hole, and he laughed to himself. A moment later, he felt the substance like a warm membrane stretch around his skin and pop. He opened his eyes, and the area was illuminated by a pale blue light which cast odd shadows around him. He saw everyone, and everyone was breathing heavily. Sparkles chuckled as she motioned over the portal which faded as a bunch of soldiers poured out of the vehicles with devices scanning. Stupid military. Always tries to gain access to the portals. We beat them every time. Why do you want the Nexus? Because in theory, the Nexus can take you anywhere. No one knows how it works. They appear naturally, and once they're discovered, we mask them to hide them. Who's we? Magic folk. We hide things like that from the normals because they're a threat. Threat? How is that possible, asked Ethan. Damn, I keep forgetting. You are still kind of a newbie to all this, aren't you? Okay, follow me while we talk, since we have a little ways to go, and I don't dare use magic and pop us close to the capital. It'll set up all kinds of alarms, and we don't want to do that. Ethan nodded, turned to examine Melissa, who smiled and seemed a little shaken. Valk had taken a knee and was also nodding. Looking around, Ethan was amazed. They stood on a clearly marked pathway that had beautiful flowers that rose up almost like natural corridors with paths going forward and another that led to the right. The plants had leaves that were blue in color. The stems glowed a pale shaded blue. Staring up at the sky, it was almost like the sky of Earth with one major difference. There was no moon. There were sparkling bits of light that initially Ethan thought were stars, but closer inspection revealed that there was a solid roof overhead, maybe 10,000 feet above them, and the glowing lights above seemed to be hanging on something. Ethan was about to ask about the stars when Sparkle continued her lesson.
Here's a good point for you to understand. The normals are not normal by choice. They've been tricked, bamboozled. By who? Organized religion, governments, shadow groups. What? But Melissa became an angel and now a guardian. How did that all happen? Melissa, you want to tackle that? No. You go ahead. You're doing a good job. Okay. So angels and demons are real. So are elder gods like your mother. All kind of peacefully coexisting because of the power of humans. Magic was shared with people. Initially, it allowed the world to have a fairly even platform. Some groups were good with certain magic and others competent with another. They shared and worked together. Heaven and the angels even picked from humans from time to time to add to their ranks. Melissa smiled. Doesn't happen often, which is why I worked my tail off. Yep, and all was cool for a bit. But then the fallen were becoming a huge issue. The giant Nephilim were destroying the balance in the world. God decided he'd wipe out the giants and give humanity a break. So he did. The Great Flood? Asked Ethan. Well, that's what they would have you believe, but not really. You see, the giants were in what's current day Iraq. The flood used to take them out was localized. But some powerful mages saw an opportunity and there was a massive war. There was utter chaos. Some of the mages banded together to create the council. Yeah, Cat explained that part to me. I don't know this story, said Valk. The council made rules and regulations for all mages to follow, but a small group of mages stepped out and began their own factions. They made pact with entities known as shadow people, and some of these factions became very well-known religions. They used glyph magic and ceremonies not to empower normals to become mages, but to suppress their natural abilities to turn them into sheep. Holy wars were brought down to topple natural people and to acquire artifacts and tomes of knowledge, all tucked away for only a few to study and learn. There came an uneasy truce between the Council and what has become known as the Illuminati. Valk mentioned them before. Yes, a bunch of low-life manipulating scumbags who aim to control the world. They keep putting their agenda, they keep pushing their agenda and influence. All the poisons they have in the world make it harder and harder for normals to under understand the base concepts of magic, let alone manipulating and controlling it. Add in the manipulation of their bloodline, the council has estimated by the end of 2030 there will only be a million mages on the planet. That may seem like a lot, but understand out of a million, only 1% has any potential and bloodlines left in there to be of any threat to the Illuminati. Maybe when all of this is said and done, we could do something about them. Sparkles stopped and stared. I don't know. Council's pretty nervous about anybody trying to step up to the Illuminati. They have a lot of influence, power, and resources. Okay, we can figure that stuff out later. How far are we? It's just about there. Suddenly, a low series of growls filled the area. Dozens of large, armored fake hats appeared. The largest of them stepped forward and examined Sparkles. What the hell are you doing here? He demanded. Sparkles bowed gently. I'm here with an esteemed visitor to seek the wisdom of the king. I swear you have some nerve. You think a meeting with a king is going to go well for you? You never know. He sneered. Fine. We need to examine your friends first. If any of them makes a move, take them out. Ethan stood still as the large group of fake hats examined him. Each one that passed Ethan looked startled and returned to the leader. You, male mage, what's your name? Ethan Higashi. Your power is dangerously high. So high, in fact, it would be reckless to bring you within a thousand feet of our king. Do you submit to a power-binding spell? A what? It's like a reflective shackle. If you cast a spell, it bounces back to you amplified. 
it's useless against you, so say yeah. Yes, that is acceptable. We are here peacefully. Yeah, that's what they all say. Fe three fey cats motion and iron shackles bound Ethan's wrists and ankles. The last one covered his mouth and then vanished. We good? asked Ethan. The leader nodded. I swear, Captain Blackball, you're too much sometimes, said Sparkles. Whatever, meow, 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 meow. Oh, I see, all formal and all, but omit the meow mystic meowism? You do not deserve that title anymore. Fine. Meow, 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 meow. He glared at her and then shrugged. Follow me. Yeah, yeah, I know the way, meower. He sighed and then walked on for another 10 minutes until Ethan noticed a faint pulsing set of glowing lights ahead. As they passed it, he saw a structure which spanned from the ground to the ceiling and the material the structure was made out of illuminated the room clearly, the roof clearly, and he realized they were underground. The lights above, which he had thought were stars, were structures hanging from the roof. What's that? He pointed up and Sparkles looked. Oh, those are wampiers. Pretty peaceful group of fays that live on the ceiling. Their droppings make some seriously strong drinks. We do trade with them. Droppings? Yeah, they're crap. They eat stuff up there. When they poop, they dispose of it in a cool way. And we collect and harvest and bring it to the earth. What? You don't like that? Isn't there a coffee that comes from some animals poop on earth? Yeah, it's called the uh, Civic Cat Coffee, said Melissa with a smile, knowing what was going to come next. Ethan turned and looked at Melissa. That coffee came from cat poop? She laughed. Yeah, that's why I didn't tell you about it when I got it for you. I mean, it was good and all, but I, I didn't notice anything out of the ordinary. Yeah, other than the price. I would have had to pay through normal channels. I was able to get that from a friend of Sparkles. Wow. Okay, so I drank coffee that came from cat poop. There was a huge iridescent opening. And as each passed through, they felt a strong gust of wind and a scent that reminded Ethan of dark chocolate. Smells good, he commented. Yes, we had to clean you and make sure you don't add any excess fill to the throne room. Now shut up and speak only when spoken to, barked Captain Blackpaw. He led them through a series of hallways until they entered a room which was lit in purple and floating glittering lights seemed to fill the air as a beautiful series of sounds filled the hall. It reminded Ethan of songs, but much more complicated. Yes, this is how my people sing with each other. There's a celebration going on right now, said Sparkles. We wait here until it's finished, said Blackpaw. It's pretty. Lots of odd beats. The sound's very soothing. Yeah, it's one of the only things I miss. The problem with you is you hear only a small piece of it. There's more outside the range of your hearing. I can help with that, said Cat. Ethan's ears rang for a second, and then a deeper bass and higher treble rolled in. It moved him so much, a tear filled his eye. It's beautiful. Thanks. There's pieces in there I wrote. We all write segments and add it into the whole piece. I'm glad they didn't take mine out. They listened more, and then the music ended. Wait here until summoned, ordered Blackpaw. He marched in with three of his soldiers, and meowing and growls were heard. Sparkles, you may approach the king. Sparkles nodded and led the way. They walked into a huge chamber where hundreds of fey cats of various shapes and colors were visible. Ethan noticed none were prismatic as Sparkles was. I'm one of a kind, 
Every 3,000 years, one of us is born this way. Cool. The king sat on a huge throne. There were several other cats who sat behind him and to his right was an empty chair. Sparkles, you've returned. His voice was tense and strained. It was obvious he wanted to scream and yell something else entirely. Yes, my king. We have need to locate a trump of power. And only this has brought you before me. Yes, I see. He examined Ethan and snickered when he saw the shackles. Oh, please. He motioned and the shackles fell free. Those are useless on one like him. Ethan examined a king and he was huge. He was also similar to a Norwegian forest cat, but his size was that more akin to a large direwolf. His fur was long and braided and intertwined within the braids were precious stones. He had deep eyes that shifted between green and gray. He did not smile. He was all business. I know what card you seek, Ethan. Like you, it is named the Fool. You wish to seek out the card for the Oracle? Originally, yes, but now, I'm not sure. The King's fur shimmered purple for a moment. Good. She came before me long ago, seeking that same card. I turned her away. The Oracle was here. Seems she's exhausted all avenues before getting you involved. Yeah. The King continued. Why should I help you? Sparkles told me there would be a cost. Always, as is in our culture. But the question is, why should I tell you? Ethan paused and gave it a thought. Gave it thought. Because I think these cards are part of something larger than I know. I'd like to remove them from play so others will not abuse them. More shifts of purple along his fur. Very good answer. I see you wear a guide stone. Yes. Do you know its purpose? Not fully. It helps me, though, with problems I face. Let me show you something, Ethan. The king motioned in front of Ethan. A small box appeared that had three depressions in it. One of the depressions was filled with a large diamond which resembled Ethan's guidestone. I propose a trade. I tell you the location of the trump and you give me the guidestone. What do you say? I apologize. I do not believe the stone is mine to give. Ethan watched a fur, expecting to see a flash of red and instead more purple. I see. Why is that? It was given to me by the council to help me make sure I walk a righteous path and to do good. I also know the guide stone was being used by them to keep track of what I was doing. So I don't think they gave it gave me the stone to keep, but rather a loner. The king smiled. Yes, I believe you are correct. Tell me, Ethan, have you used the cards yourself? Ethan nodded. Yes. And your feelings on their potential? I do not get a sense of their limits. Do they seem alive? Yes. Do they seek each other out? Yes, it appears so. Does that scare you? Yes. Is that why you do not want the oracle to get them? Yes. I don't know what the oracle's goals are. That makes two of us. You see, I like you. You do not try to lie to my face. You do not try to manipulate. But her? She did nothing but lie and manipulate. And so yes, I am inclined to believe you. And you are powerful and smart. But do not let that go to your head since you are young and will still make mistakes. Sparkles, you are wise to bring him here to me. I will tell you where the card is. The cost? I'll get to that in a moment. 
First things first. The case in front of Ethan vanished. Three cats from behind the king stood on their hind legs and motioned and meowed. A spear rose up and blocked the room from the king in his throne and Ethan and his friends. Captain Blackpaw stood there quietly. I do not want our discussion heard by anyone outside of this spear. This spear also blocks any outside eavesdropping as well. There is a change coming. I am unsure of the change. I am unsure if the change is good or bad. The oracle came with a warning that one would come with massive power who would seek to trump as she did and his action would cause destructive change. Are you the one she spoke of? I don't know, Ethan admitted. I don't care. You see, you can't have a profound change without destruction. Do you know what stood here before my kingdom? No. A mountain range with beautiful waterfalls and lush forests. We worked it out with most of the life forms there as we created this environment. Some went along with the change. Others did not. The ones who moved with change are here. The others are not. I think change needs to happen. Deep, profound change. And now after meeting you, I think you are the one who could bring it about. Do you think you could shoulder such a thing? Would you face the darkness for all of us? Ethan again thought about it, and he thought about his conversation with Sparkles about the Illuminati. There was no hesitation when he thought about the wrongs happening in the world. Yes, I would. The king shimmered purple all the way. Very good. Very good indeed. Then we have a deal. You will face the darkness and bring about change to help the Fae and Magicborn as well as your fellow humans. You will swear a blood oath to this. Sparkle spoke. Ethan, think long and hard about this blood oath. This isn't a do a job until you're tired of it. This is for the rest of your life, and for you, that's going to be a very long time since you are immortal. Ethan thought about it. What happens if I break the blood oath with the Fae? Well, since you don't die like humans, you'll rot, have intensive pain for eternity, and until someone powerful enough kills you, Yes, I will swear the oath in exchange for the card's location. A sword materialized in front of Ethan. Take your right hand and squeeze the blade gently enough to cut and allow the blood to trickle down the blade, said Sparkle softly. Ethan did as Sparkle's instructed. As the blood ran down the blade, it shifted into an ornate pin and a book materialized in front of him. He saw an entry there and signed his name. The signature flashed for a moment and then the pin and the book vanished. This is where you shall find it. The king closed his eyes and the, location, and the location was seared into Ethan's mind. Now, that business is done and we shall have a banquet for our honored guest. It was then that Ethan saw the king's smile. And the smile was not reassuring or pleasant. It was terrifying. Chapter 37 Trap is set. Council Safe House, 1 p.m., April 13th. Mordecai sipped slowly, painfully, through the tube taped to his cheek. It was embarrassing, really. He was irritated that he was laid up in bed waiting. There were plenty of books available. The internet was also available, and he had taken some of the downtime to examine the YouTube that Ethan had been so fond of, and was thoroughly amused with the channels he had mentioned, especially the Angry Jackalope. But those had quickly become tiresome as well.
He ached to get back into the thick of things. He examined his room, which had the appearance of a normal human's standard bedroom, but there were many wards in place to keep it safe. The fact that the power was flowing in the house was a testament at how much magic was at play since his normal innate abilities to draw in electricity and channel it was negated. A gentle knock came at the door and a wild looking woman with flowing crimson hair poked her head in. How's my favorite gimp doing? She joked. Alive, but dying on the inside. What the hell are you doing here? He replied, surprised to see the woman. I heard about you and wanted to see for myself the great Mordecai on his ass. Fiona. Me ass is right here for you to kiss. He laughed back and then winced in pain as he did. Wow, something really did a number on ye. He slowly nodded. Yeah, something wasn't right from the get-go, you know? We follow the orders no matter where you take us. It's our oath, you know. I've been in a game a long time. But even the way the orders came down, came from the council master himself, you know. Fiona looked grim and nodded. The whole job with Ethan wasn't too bad. I gotta get some refreshers from the monastery, had some good memories. Then after I get the kid powered up and ready for business, they send me into an obvious trap solo. I mean, what the hell? I fought a damn chimera. Who does that? Anyway, couldn't help but feel like I was maneuvered as a damn chess piece, you know? Fiona again nodded. Anyways, enough of that. How's the pyromancers treating you? I haven't seen you since Fiji. He grinned at her. Yeah. Fiji was amazing. I miss those times. Did you mean what you said back then? What? About quitting and running off to the sunset? She nodded. Yeah. Yeah, I did. Why do you ask? You're the one who reminded me of the oath. You're the one who warned me they would hunt us to the ends of the earth. Again, she nodded and sighed. You know how you mentioned you got a weird vibe before your last gig? He nodded, shifted his bed so he could sit up and get a better look into her eyes. Yeah. Well, about a hundred of us got this special, heavily warded message to get our gear gathered up, head to a crazy spot in the Amazon. Oh, shite. You don't say. Yeah, the Amazon, right? Fiona. Listen, it gets even crazier. You know there was a group who was keeping a guy in a Nephilim just in case he started to go rogue? Well, one went blind. Some kind of bladed barbed wire or Spikes or something tore out his damn eyes. So the council's flipping kittens. You know him better than any of us. I was hoping to find out some bit of strategy in case it comes down to him and me. Fiona, listen to me carefully. If it comes down to you and him, run. I'm serious here. He's not one to toy with. He is by far the most powerful thing I've ever come in contact with. Don't fight him. Mordecai, you worry too much. Do you think a single person could take on a hundred of our best? First, he's not alone. And second, yeah, he can. I've seen him do things that are damn near impossible of. Please swear to me, do not engage the Nephilim. I would die if anything happened to you. She placed one hand on his chest, the other to the side of the bed where he couldn't see, and she crossed the hidden hand's fingers. I swear, I will not fight, engage, do battle, or even use foul language towards Nephilim. Mordecai relaxed a bit. He gently put his shattered hand on hers and smiled gently. The Amazon itself is no joke. Make sure you prep accordingly. Also, last I saw Ethan, he was rolling with a fake cat named Sparkles. A guardian angel named Melissa, a bounty hunter named Gina Kristoff. Yeah, we know a lot about his team. There is also Cat, 
the goggles you wear. She was valuable too when she rolled with me. Gives him a lot of extra advantage. Plus, she's powerful in her own rights. You'll need to discuss her with the council master since I know everything's being said here is being watched. He winked in the air. You'll want to get a full briefing on her alone. Next to Ethan, she's the most powerful force to deal with. She's a pair of goggles. That's exactly what I said. Anyway, please, love. Please, 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 please be careful. Something in his eyes and the tone in his voice gave Fiona a moment of pause. For the first time since she was assigned a mission, she felt fear. Mordecai was known as a fearless warrior down for the cause, down to rush first into any situation, and here he was, pleading with her to be careful. She knew he loved her and wondered if the love he felt weakened him, made him soft, and she knew the answer was no. She would have to be very careful in her dealings with the Nephilim and his team. I will. She leaned in and kissed his forehead. Who knows? Maybe when this is all done, the council will release us of our oaths and allow us to return, retire to Fiji. He smiled softly. Council never allows anyone to retire the way you, that way and you know it. Always the first time for everything. She walked away and winked at him as she did. Mordecai had a sinking, aching feeling in his chest. It was going to be the last time he'd ever see his dear Fiona. Chapter 38, Calm Before the Storm. Day Capital Banquet Hall, 9 p.m. April 13th. Ethan was amazed by the spread of the table. When he heard there was going to be a banquet, he was not prepared for what he saw. There were some exotic fruits and food that must have been indigenous to the Fae dimension, but there was also a wide assortment of foods from Earth from around the world. There was Indian food, Italian food, Japanese food, Chinese food, Hawaiian food, and even a section with hamburgers and hot dogs. Each member of the royal court has to spend time in different dimensions and, and worlds, and whatever is their favorite dish, they bring back and share. When we eat, we eat well. And nothing ever goes to waste. What we don't eat gets ground up altogether and then the womp ears tear it up. They're ravenous and will eat anything. We experiment with mixtures we give them to see how it affects their contributions back to us. That's cool. So who decides who decides the selection? Well, it seems the king is trying to flatter me since these are mostly the dishes I introduced after my first walk on earth. Ethan smiled. Okay, so what's the rules? I don't want to do anything to embarrass us. He'll start, and food servers will bring you very small samples of everything, and then you taste, and then based off your reactions, the servers will bring you what they think you can handle. Got it. The king sat at the far end of the great hall, and even though he spoke at normal levels, everyone in the huge table could hear him well. Friends, we welcome you into the Fae family and invite you to sample some of these dishes which you should be familiar with. Anything you are not, your servers will explain. He motioned and a piece of the Hawaiian prepared pork was presented to him. He took a bite and the, crunchy, and the crunchy skin loudly cracked as he savored and ate it. He nodded in approval. Let us feast now. Just as Sparkle said, the servers behind Ethan worked quickly and pieces of food hovered in the air. It looked like organized chaos with food flying this way and that. Nothing ever collided. After a few moments, there were small micro portions of at least 20 offerings. Ethan tried each and just went with the flow. His server watched carefully and then smiled. After another minute, there were several pieces of uh, shumai, steamed rice, some crab, 
few pieces of shrimp, Kahlua pork with extra skin, a piece of teriyaki chicken, a slide of burger with ketchup and pineapple. Ethan ate and was amazed at the food's perfection. They ate in relative silence, each enjoying their particular plate, and after 20 minutes there was a faint chittering sound from above. The king smiled and motioned, and the trays with the food rose up to the roof and went into shafts above. A moment later, and the table was filled with desserts, also from around the world. Normally, Ethan wasn't a dessert person, but the presentation and the sheer volume of choices made him smile. Yeah, now the king is trying to flatter me. These are all mine. You sampled all of this? Yep, I got a story for each one, too. I bet, said Cat. I wish you could sample this, Cat. I can, in a way. When I control your body, I'm in your brain. I can also look, hook into your factory and taste centers, so I can smell and taste what you're eating. Go for it. Well, I might like things you don't. It's all good. I'll take one for the team, said Ethan. Okay. There was a deep chill that shot down Ethan's spine and into his brain. He was used to it. This time he felt a tingle in his nose, which made him sneeze. Excuse me. Bless you, said Melissa. The server again brought many micro samples, and Ethan allowed Cat to run the show, and she sampled everything. This time the server was confused. He couldn't quite tell for sure what Ethan liked and didn't like. He hesitated, sometimes scratched his head. Sparkles noticed it and said something to him, and he nodded and retrieved several pieces. There was two that Ethan noted he had liked, and the rest was all cat. What did you say to him? I said you're a bipolar, just get whatever seemed like it got some sort of reaction. Ethan ate and was beyond full when finally his hands and mouth stopped. Oh my, that was amazing. I wish we had thought of this years ago, said Cat. Yeah, you missed out on Master Young's dung beetle soup. Again, the plates were cleared, and the chittering again sounded, but this time it was higher pitched. These dishes are devoured by wampier children. They love dessert time. The plates vanished, and a small glass was presented in front of each dinner diner. Okay, this is the drink I was telling you about. You sip it small very small sips. You sip and hang out. Then after five minutes, you sip again, and so on and so on. Do not slam it. It is potent. Valk, Melissa, Sparkle says, the way we do this is sip and wait five. Then sip and wait five. Do not slam it. Strong stuff. Valk looked at Sparkles. Is this stronger than Fiji Challenge drinks? Sparkles nodded proudly. About twice as strong as level five. Valk's eyes widened. Really? I've gotten to level four and called it. I've gotten all the way to five and danced on the bar, Sparkle said proudly. The king stood and toasted and downed his glass and smiled. Yeah, he's showing off to us. Sip it, guys. Seriously, laughed Sparkles. And when you're done, you're done. Blackpaw, who sat across from Ethan, made eye contact and toasted him as he raised his glass. Uh-oh, said Sparkles. What? asked Ethan, alarmed. I think Blackpaw is going to challenge you. Seriously, what's up with this guy? pissing contest. Well, Ethan, just to remind you, you do regenerate, and since you manifested, I think you can handle. Plus, if things go sideways, I could always help, said Cat. Cat, that's cheating, said Sparkles quickly. Yep, I love it. Ethan, accept by raising your glass and add a wink in there. Ethan chuckled to himself and realized he had been volunteered by Cat and Sparkles to take on Blackpaw. He raised his glass and nodded and winked, which got an immediate reaction from Blackpaw. Blackpaw took a sip. Ethan matched it. 
This continued for another three rounds, which caught the, ten, caught the king's attention, who smiled broadly. His, per, his fur shimmered purple. The first sip hit Ethan like a truck. He was amazed that his body took the hit, and after a moment, he felt clear-headed. What do you know? he exclaimed. This continued until he saw the bottom of his glass. Blackpaw took his last sip and grinned. Ethan did the same and smiled. Again, another wink. Blackpaw snarled, looked ready to kill, when he suddenly fell backward and quickly began to snore. The king bellowed a great laugh and nodded towards Ethan. Well done! Another glass? Ethan shrugged. Yes, please. Amazing! How do you feel? asked Sparkles. Sorry, Buzz, but it's fading pretty fast. Yeah, I'm examining you and you look good, said Cat. Just so you have points of reference, that's like you drinking over 500 Bacardi 155, 151 shots. If you were human, you'd be dead. I mean, look at Valk and Melissa after two sips. Ethan turned and saw both of his friends passed out on the table. Servants motioned and Valk and Melissa rose. Many others who had also done the same were all levitated behind a banquet table were large, long pillows, roughly 11 feet by 5 feet, each about 2 feet thick. Servants gently put their respected diner on a pillow and stood by in case they needed anything. The king motioned and the large table began to collapse in. After a moment, reduced down a 6 foot long table, which had the king, Ethan, Sparkles, and one other fake cat whom Ethan did not know. You know, Ethan, many have sat at this table with me. Very few have impressed me. You are among six. Sparkles, you are also one as well. My king is drunk. Indeed, but you know I never stop loving you and hope one day you will return to me. Sparkles felt a twinge of guilt as she stared at the king. Another glass materialized in front of them and Sparkles pushed hers away. I know my limit. One glass is all I need. The king took his glass and raised it to Ethan. I accept, said Ethan as he looked at his glass. The king took a large swig and grinned. Ethan took the glass, slammed it back, and the original fireball he felt from the small sips was a huge volcano exploding deep within him. He knew he could beat the king, but didn't want to insult him. So he embraced the darkness which threatened him and smiled. Allow me to black out, cat, but keep an eye on us. Ethan slumped with a smile on his face and snored. The king examined him and smiled. I am the king, he bellowed. A brief flash of red and then full purple as he lowered his head and mumbled something in Fay Cat. What did he say, Sparkles? asked Cat curiously. He said, I will always love you, my queen. A small tear rolled down Sparkles' cheeks as she jumped off the table and followed Ethan as he was brought to his own pillow. How long shall I allow Ethan to sleep? Give him a good night's sleep. Nasty, I have a nasty feeling we're going to step into something bad. I agree. Sleep well, Sparkles, said Cat solemnly. Sparkles closed her eyes and slept. Chapter 39, Final Card. Fay Capital Banquet Hall, 8.35 a.m. April 14th. Ethan opened his eyes and expected some sort of hangover and instead felt fully refreshed and energized. Yeah, you were solid five minutes after you allowed yourself to pass out. King, though, looks a little worse for wear, though not nearly as bad as Blackpaw, who is approaching now, said Cat. Ethan sat up, stood as Captain Blackpaw approached him and nodded at him. I respect you. I am glad to have met you, Ethan Higashi. I'm glad to have met you as well, Captain Blackpaw. May your journeys be successful. Thank you. Sparkles walked up and stood next to Ethan. Be safe, meowstick, meowism, meow meow, meow meow, meow meow, meow. And he bowed deeply to her. Sparkles was speechless. Thank you, I will. 
why do you now call me by my full title? It's been too long since I've seen the king in full radiance, smiling and laughing. It is because of you. You have the power alone to bring the kingdom happiness. And I pray and hope, once you are done with your quest, you may find it within you to visit often. Sparkle sniffled, pressed her head against Black Paws, and nodded. I will. I swear it. The king approached and smiled. Swear what? I will visit more often, my king. Sparkle stepped forward and pressed her head against the king's head. He sighed deeply, and there was a slight tinge of blue that rippled through his fur and the same blue on Sparkle. Sparkles. No one said anything, and then Sparkles and the king took a single step back and turned. The king examined Ethan. I wish you luck, Ethan Higashi. Please remember the oath you swore. I will. Thank you. You came as a stranger, and now you leave as Meowster Meow Meow Meowrar. Sparkles nodded in approval. What does that mean? It means you're the champion of fake hats. You are honored among any fake hat you come in contact with. Ethan bowed deeply towards the king. Thank you, my king. Ethan turned and realized the location of the cards could not be jumped to directly, and the information he had in his mind gave him exacting information on the land around it. He nodded to himself when he found the perfect location to create a portal. He motioned and created the glyph in the air. With no sound, motioned, and the portal opened. Valk and Melissa looked at each other, shocked, and noted Ethan was able to open a portal with just motion glyphs alone, something neither of them had ever seen before. Valk bowed to the king and Blackpaw as she turned and entered the portal. Melissa followed the example and worked hard to walk straight as she was still woozy. Ethan nodded and followed them. Sparkles walked and entered the portal and like that, they were gone from the hall. Do you think they'll make it? Obviously there'll be traps, asked Blackpaw. Yes, they will retrieve the card. And then, destruction, massive destruction. Why would you allow this? Sometimes things need to be destroyed to bring about something better. It's my hope that Ethan will be the catalyst for that profound change. I hope you're right, my king. I do too, my old friend. Ethan examined the area they had ported to and immediately attacked by swarms of bugs. He ignored them as well as the sweltering heat and pressed down on them. That pressed down on them. Damn, it's hot, said Sparkles grumpily. Ethan motioned and a cool airflow covered the ground as well as killed the swarm of pests that had assailed him. He was in deep thought. Melissa focused on herself, and after a quick prayer, she felt stronger and better. She reached forward, and her bow materialized. Valk pulled out, pulled out her fifty cal rifle and checked her magazine on it. Sparkles shifted to the astral plane, and faintly in the distance, she could see the glow of the card. She shifted back and nodded. You know where it is, right? Ethan nodded, pointing in the direction of a large mountain which was also the path of a large river of water that sizzled and had an ominous amount of steam coming from it. What's the deal with the water? asked Sparkles. It's being heated from inside the volcano there, said Ethan, somewhat distracted. Volcano? Yeah, cards being held near the bottom of the volcano. Fun? Ethan nodded. We'll need to clear a path since it's a waste to tax the armor on the water alone, Ethan said with a sigh. Cat, do you sense any, anyone living in a straight path in my mind? Checking. Nothing other than lizards, snakes, and a lot of other things like that. Nothing within the area you're thinking of. Why? Just making sure. I got a new spell I've been working on. Oh, the spell that kills vegetation and vines? That whole Randy thing got you, didn't it? Yeah, it did. Time to test it. Ethan stepped in front of the team. 
made several passes in the air and a huge ball began to materialize in front of him. The beam shot forth and it touched things. They began to blacken and wither, finally turned to ash. What was dense foliage with vines and trees was now a path 20 feet wide. They could see all the way to the volcano which had a huge black mark where the beam had hit it. The mountain was roughly a mile away. Holy heaven, Ethan, why? Asked Melissa, her voice trembled slightly. Something I was working on, he said proudly. My God, said Valk. What? I didn't want to waste time. We can fly there, said Melissa as she flexed her wings. Sparkles levitated as well. Oh, Ethan said sheepishly. Dude, that was still epic though. You gotta teach me that spell. Even a small version of that is monster, said Sparkles with a nervous chuckle. Ethan shrugged. Let's go. We know the council's gonna fight us hard to prevent us from getting the card. How should we play it? If I know the council, they might try to talk first, and then, if we don't follow their instructions, they might take off the kid gloves and try to take us out, said Valk. Okay, try not to kill if you can help it. Take out hands, fingers. They can always heal up. Match hit for hit if you need to. I'd like to reduce the body count if we can help if we can help it. Also, you know if we do this, we're going to be on a hit list going forward, said Valk. Ethan paused and realized the danger he was putting his friends in. That's a good point. You guys head back to the sanctum. I got this. That way you guys are in the clear. I'll be the only one they gun for in the future. Yeah, like that's going to happen, said Sparkles. I'm a ride or die kind of gal. I go where you go, unless it's the ocean. I hate the ocean, she continued. I care not about the council. I answer to heaven, said Melissa. Besides, I'm doing my job. I'm a guardian angel. I'm guarding you. Falk was silent. Look, guys, I love you. I really do. I got my life ahead of me. I go and do this. This might speed up my visit to hell. So I'm going to head back to the sanctum and wait it out. Ethan nodded and smiled, thankful. It's all good. Really, Valk? Asked Sparkle, surprised. Hell no! Wouldn't miss this for the world. You should have seen your face. I think only one who was relieved was Ethan, because he's all in love with me and stuff. Seriously? Ethan started walking. What? I mean, you could say it. We all know it, said Valk with a chuckle. Not listening to you. He kept walking. And even though they were all laughing, there was a sense of dread deep within each of them. They each had their own reason for helping Ethan. He was grateful that they were there with him. Deep within the volcano, Fiona and the hundred warriors heard the explosion muffled slightly. What the hell was that? Asked another pyromancer named Dominic. That's the Nephilim letting us know he's on his way. Everyone take your position, be ready, commanded Fiona. Ethan and team continued towards the volcano, and as they approached, a brilliant image greeted them. Hello, Ethan, said a female voice. Hello, he replied. An image filled the shimmering space, and a woman with flaming red hair and strong, beautiful features materialized. My name is Fiona. The council has authorized me to give you a fair warning not to enter the area. If you do so, you will be in direct violation of our magic safety code for artifacts of level 3 danger level. Uh, for magic code for artifacts of level 3 danger. This is guarded with our lives, and we have sworn an oath to our dying breath to protect this area. If you proceed any further, we will use lethal force. Do you understand? Ethan nodded. It is unfortunate that it will come to this. I do not wish to see the card for my own selfish games. I wish to remove the card from play so no one else suffers. I am set to retrieve the card. We will match and exceed anything you try. I don't want to hurt you. I really don't. So as my good friend Sparkles here often says, don't start no shiz, won't be no shiz. You dig?
we understand, and you've been warned. You will not receive another. The image faded. Don't start no shiz, said Sparkles with a sideways glance. What? It's all that came to my mind. I thought it was funny, said Melissa. Well, there's the entrance. I think it's safe to say the second we set foot in there, we're going to be battling, Ethan said with a sigh. Sparkles, what if we go through the astral? Sparkles vanished for a moment, then returned. No go. I see Dimension Awards there. Okay, how about this then? I set up a moving barricade spell, which is like a super thick version of my armor we wear, with holes in it. You hang back with cover and watch my back. Valk thought about it and nodded slowly. We could still use the target system that Valk has, and Sparkles watches from behind and pulls the rear barricade to make sure no one tries to hit from the back. Remember, aim for arms, hands, and items they use to cast spells. Without their spells, they're just warriors with swords and guns. Ethan made several passes in the air and stacked glyph upon glyph with such speed that Val could barely keep an eye on his hands and finger gestures. The armor plates, armor-plated walls formed around them and layered once, twice, and three times. Try to move it. They lifted, and there was a solid heft to it. Yeah, it's heavy, but we can manage, said Melissa. The holes will open up when you decide to fire. If you shift your aim from time to time, the hole will follow. Sparkles, when they move, you pull on your side. Okay, sounds good. Here we go. Ethan waited until team had gotten in position. The team had gotten in position, where they could clearly see the passageway in front of them. The entrance was roughly 12 feet wide and about 25 feet tall. The smell of sulfur was strong in the air. The passageway went forward about a thousand feet, and Ethan started walking. Heads up, warned Cat. Yep, a huge fireball hurled towards Ethan. He simply waved and it fizzled out. Did you see that? asked Sparkle, surprised. Yeah. When was he able to do that? He learned how to duel years ago, said Cat. Sparkles nodded. She hadn't seen Ethan battle another mage. The combat up to that point was mythical creatures and martial combat. Several more blasts of fire approached and each was waved away effortlessly. Ten heavily armed men charged and gunfire rang out and hit the mystical shielding which held easily. Looks like Ethan buffed his shielding as well, commented Valk. A few bullets hit near them and Valk rubbed her black marks, three glowed. She aimed and fired. Despite the man's armor, the massive bullet hit him in his shoulder, sending him spinning and he fell. Melissa fired three arrows and each hit their targets who fell screaming. What kind of arrows were those? asked Valk curiously. Pain arrows. They will not kill, but will render the target helpless. Pain is afflicted until I stop it. Ah! It's an angel taser! Yeah. Cool. Valk chambered another round and fired again. Another man down, leaving five left. Ethan didn't even pull his sword. As the first man charged in with a knife thrust Ethan's neck, he dodged, stepped forward when the man's arm was over Ethan's shoulder. With speed unseen before, he broke the man's arm in three places. Moving to the next man who was charging... The magazine in his gun, or changing the magazine in his gun, Ethan took him by the neck, spun him around and as a different man, tried to sneak in a shot. Bullet hit the man Ethan was controlling in the shoulder, and he screamed out. Ethan slammed him once in the head, and he dropped. The three remaining men charged in, and several fireballs were launched at Ethan. Ethan, warned Cat. I see him. Ethan performed a roundhouse kick, which knocked all three men out of the way of the fireballs. 
while at the same time motioning in the air. The fireballs froze in place and he reached back like a pro baseball pitcher and sent the flames back to where they had come from. A huge explosion rocked the passageway and chaotic sounds of warriors filled the area with screams and confusion. Okay, maybe they got the hint now, he thought. I doubt it. He walked on and knew the card was a few hundred yards in front of him. He continued on, focused. Falk and Melissa lifted the barricade and followed behind and reset when they saw the opposition ahead. Ethan paused. There was a small black dragon on which rode the woman he had spoken with earlier, and roughly seventy more men and women, all armored and serious. Three women stood nearby, watching anxiously. The three sisters, they have the future sight, said Cat. So they'll know the outcome of the battle, Ethan asked. I would assume so. They look pretty nervous. Yes. This seems too easy to me, Ethan said, suspicion growing in his voice. Seems legit to me, said Sparkles. No, I mean, if I knew someone was going to beat me, why keep the card there? I'd wait for them to show up and port the card away somewhere else. Also, I'd have more than this. Look at that dragon. It's just a baby. I bet it's not even magic resistant. I'm sure I could take them all out in a few moves. Okay, that sounds like a good idea then, said Sparkles. No, that's what they want. No more games. Ethan motioned and made a large glyph in the air and the three women went to cry out something and they all stopped. The dragon looked confused and didn't know what to do. Gently put your rider down and you can leave, dragon, Ethan yelled out. Ethan, what the hell did you do? asked Melissa, amazed. Remember the watch you gave me? I learned its spell. I just used it on them. They're all human. It works on them. I time looped them. Valk, wake up, said Ethan as he motioned. Valk moved and was a little confused. She took a second and smiled. You looped them? Ethan nodded. I was serious when I said I didn't want to kill them. Hang here. Be right back. Ethan walked up and a dragon stared at him intently and then decided to listen. The dragon leaned forward and Fiona rolled off and Ethan caught her and laid her gently on the ground. That's good. You're smart. Go ahead and leave now. The dragon headed for the front of the cave and examined Sparkles for a moment and then left. Ethan walked on for another few minutes until he found the card floating just above the magma. That doesn't look sketchy at all, said Cat as they examined it. Ethan nodded. Well, if the magma is the trap itself, then let's take care of that, shall we? Ethan made several passes in the air and his eyes glowed blue. He motioned and a blast of an intense cold rushed forth and started cooling the magma. Soon, there was rock bobbing gently at the top of the surface had been magically cooled. Not sure how long that spell will hold. Let's get down there. Ethan climbed down and got within reaching the card and paused before touching it. Something's odd with the card, Ethan noted. What do you mean? The other cards, the moment I reached for them, I could feel the chill and the energy as they wanted to make a connection. Something's off with this card. I almost missed it. There's glyphs and wards on the card. It's booby-trapped, said Cat apologetically. So if I grab it, it sets it off. Yes. What kind of trap? The kind that blows up an entire mountain range. The kind that then creates a small black hole. The kind that, in the event you survived all of that, ports you into an unstable nexus portal. You can see all of that? Ethan asked, amazed. Yes. Suggestions. Figure out how to disarm them? Okay, let me, let me make sure I got you. One explosion, two black hole, three unstable nexus portal. All happens kind of instantaneous? Yes. Nice trap, Ethan admitted. 
So what's the plan? Okay, so I know, I knew I could survive the explosion. The black hole is creative. Not sure what to expect with that one. And I imagine it'd be short-lived since they wouldn't want to destroy the planet. And having one here sustained would do that. And then dumping something into an unstable nexus could potentially chop me into pieces and spread me to God knows where. Yes. <sighs> okay, remind me of the rules of time manipulation. Uh, you're not supposed to do them on living things without their permission. But I put the council members in a time loop. Yes, but they're not affected adversely from it. You walked up to the if you walked up to them and slit their throat, as an example, that would be a violation point. Okay. Remember I asked a question about items and pushing them through time to an earlier state? Yes. What if I push the card back to before the glyphs added to it? Not sure. I think the moment anything comes in contact with the card it triggers. I think I got it. First spell I'm gonna do on a card is a time stop. That'll trigger the explosion, but I'm not concerned about it. I think I can deflect most of it by surrounding it with armor spell done up like a sphere. My concern is the card itself. Do you think it'll survive? If not, then at least it's out of rotation, right? Good point. I'm sure others have tried. Okay, thinking out loud here. Cover it in shielding, cast time stop on triggering the explosion. I remove the explosion, and it's stuck at explosion point. I'll avoid the black hole in the next support by just time shifting the card to before the traps are put on it. You do realize that sounds impossible, said Cat cautiously. Come on, have a little faith. Are we really doing this? Yep, strap on tight. This is going to be intense. Ethan focused and created a sphere that was roughly 10 feet by 10 feet around the card and repositioned himself back up on the ledge. He made several passes and he cast a time stop spell on the card. He saw a brilliant flash and held his breath. The shielding had held the blast up until the time stopped. Wow, now that's something you don't see every day, commented Cat, amazed by the sight in front of them. The spear was filled with an explosion that was stuck in a moment of time. Ethan focused on the energy of the explosion which he felt the power of and was impressed. I think they were really trying to kill me, you think? He motioned and the energy flowed to him and he allowed it to pass through him into the atmosphere as light energy. He looked at his shielding which he noticed was severely cracked and he motioned and it faded away leaving only the card before him. He climbed down and grabbed the card which was still frosty to touch and climbed back to the ledge and examined the card closely to see its history. He saw the three sisters working for hours to put the spells on the card and the energy it required was amazing. He saw that the card had been used before. He saw many hands trying to access the card. There was something specific about the card that represented freedom and release. He traced the card back and saw the oracle and saw the oracle's older version further back. How old is it? Cat asked, curiosity growing within her. I can't tell, but I know one thing for sure. What's that? I can revert it back to before the sisters did their mojo to get rid of these last two traps. Ethan focused and something lashed back and hit him hard in the head. He was dazed, but he held his focus. Ethan, this isn't a teapot. It's an artifact older than man. Be careful. Working on it, he groaned in pain. He poured more power in, and one of the traps disappeared. He pushed more, and there was energy swirling around him, diving into him and the card. There were moments of pain, there were moments of ecstasy. He pushed, and finally the last trap glyph faded from the card. He sat there panting and breathing, fighting hard not to black out. He banished the tiny dots of light in the darkness that fought to consume him. Did it work? Cat asked nervously. One way to find out. 
He released the time spell on the card and instantly he felt the presence of it, the tendrils of energy seeking out its sister cards. He held the card and studied it and the energy flowed into it. Freedom from all obligations, freedom from imprisonment, freedom to be who you want to be, freedom to be as wild and reckless as you want. Power flows more in freedom than in bondage. Ethan, Cat asked nervously, sorry I just got those vibes from the card. I think we need to get the others and get out of here. Good idea. Ethan tucked the card away, quickly sprinted back to the group. He got behind the safety of the barricade and released the time loop on the council members. Fiona stood, confused, looking for a dragon. The three sisters stepped, stopped, and stared at Ethan in stunned amazement. He waved as they poured it back to Sanctum. Chapter 40 The Fool Utah Sanctum, 11-28, April 14th Ethan and his friends arrived back to the Sanctum, and he was beat. He was exhausted, but relieved. He had successfully collected the last card, and as far as he knew, the casualty level was very low. We did it, guys. Yeah, you did it mostly, replied Sparkles with a wink. As long as we have all of our limbs and no one died, it was a good day. Yes, today was a good day indeed, agreed Cat. Okay, let's put these cards in rotation with the others. Let's put this card in rotation with the others. Ethan pulled out his blade and cut his finger, went to put the glyph on a card. Instead, he found himself summoning the other cards. Egam, Revol, Serpme, Nasham. Each card faded in and hovered in front of Ethan. What the hell? asked Sparkles. I'm not doing it, Ethan strained to think. What? Who is? asked Sparkles. I am, said Cat. Guys, tear the goggles off of Ethan's head, now! Suddenly Sparkles was still and not moving. Sparkles! Valk sprinted and bolted, trying to snatch the goggles. Ethan's hand swung up and plunged, plunged a dagger into Valk's chest. Valk! Valk fell to the floor hard. Melissa shot three arrows at Ethan and they all hit. The pain coursed through his body and yet he stood. Enough, Melissa. You're hurting Ethan, but he's not the one in control here. Stop now or you will be destroyed, said Ethan in a monotone voice. Ethan, what are you doing? Valk's dying. Then I suggest you tend to her and leave me to my work. Melissa examined Valk and could see she was fading quickly, noted that the blade had punctured her heart. Melissa channeled her power and pressed her, ha her hands down on Valk's chest. Light poured out, covering her friend's dying body. Cat, what the hell are you doing? Why are you doing this, screamed Ethan. You will understand soon enough. Ethan placed the Empress card face down and it hovered in front of him. The next was the lover's face up, but turned to the right. Next card was the magician faced up normal. Judgment was next to be turned to the left, also face up. Finally, the fool was face up normal placed on the top of the other four cards. Ethan pressed down on a stack of cards and traced a glyph on it. Explosions of light filled the room and there was a deep groaning sound. Melissa continued to focus on Valk and felt a glimmer of hope as she realized she had repaired the heart. Blood loss was still a major issue, and she had lost a lot of it quickly. She needed to get Valk help soon. She looked back at Ethan, who had his hand on a stack of cards. She knew there was nothing she could do. She grabbed Sparkles, and she used her emergency recall spell to return to heaven. As she was fading away, she saw a female figure begin to materialize. Melissa, Sparkles, and Valk were gone. It was only Ethan in a room and a mysterious female figure. She focused, and the energy was flowing between Ethan and her. I am sorry, Ethan. You'll understand soon. Being a prisoner is the worst thing in the world. She walked over and traced different symbols on a stack of cards, and gently, 
carefully, carefully, lovingly moved Ethan's hands off of them, and there was a deep flash of searing pain and a deep cold darkness that set over Ethan as his world began to fade to black. You may not believe me, but I am truly sorry, brother. Chapter 41 Wake the F Up Unknown Unknown Ethan opened his eyes slowly. He was in his house. He sat up and scratched his itchy spots and yawned. His cell phone chimed at him. What a trippy-ass dream. He held up the phone and there were 30 missed calls and 7 voicemails. There were dozens of text messages. He cycled through the messages and realized that somehow he had lost a week. The server was fixed and Randy had been bugging him on next steps. Margles had left threatening messages of firing him and other nasty things. His head ached. He got up and walked over to the workstation and looked at his knives on the wall. There was his Mac 7 blade, and for the moment he saw a flash of a dagger plunging into Valk's chest. What? He shook his head and walked to the fridge and opened it. The cool air that came from the fridge reminded him of the coldness of the cards. That wasn't real. He shrugged. He felt a sense of frustration flow over him. He turned on the radio to catch the news and heard the Jackson 5's I'll Be There and thought back to Lucifer. It can't hurt, can it? He laughed at himself and then paused. Lucifer. Lucifer? There came a knock at the door that surprised him. He walked over and opened it. A man was there, neatly dressed and slightly annoyed. May I come in? Sure, Ethan said nervously. Well, Ethan, I must say you've made a pretty mess of things, haven't you? I don't understand. What happened? Where am I? I suppose you have created somewhat of a safety net for yourself, and for some reason I am here as well. As for what happened, you were duped. You were played. By Cat? Yes. Why? I suggest you ask her. How? How would I know? Lucifer stared at Ethan aside. Have you tried magic? Oh, no, I haven't. Ethan stood and traced glyphs in the air and nothing happened. Huh, that's too bad. What about you? Can you do magic? I'm afraid not, boy. You see, I'm not even here. Ethan was alone in his house again. What's going on? Ethan. It was faint, but he recognized a voice. Sparkles. Ethan, I can barely hear you. What's going on? Ethan, you need to wake up. I can barely sense your thoughts. You are not in your house. Ethan again walked to the front door and opened it. And the ground outside melted until he saw it was darkness. Oh, damn it, Sparkles. Cat's voice was loud in Ethan's head. What the hell, Cat? Asked Ethan, rage growing in his voice. Look, <clears throat> I'm sorry. I couldn't be there anymore. I got carried away in the early days and I was in prison there. You can create any kind of environment you want. You can create your own reality. Put Valk in there with you if you want. It's all very realistic as long as your imagination can maintain it. Valk! What happened to Valk? Yeah, sorry about that. She's loose for a plaything now, I'd imagine. She shouldn't have gotten in the way. Besides, it's better this way, brother. She would have aged and gotten all wrinkly and then died. No! You'll thank me later, brother. Why do you keep calling me that? Because we're family. I was the firstborn. But then, eventually, you came along. Wait, you're a Nephilim as well? Yes. When Mordecai got the assignment to examine and save a new Nephilim, I thought perhaps there was a way to use that to help me escape the damn prison. Then he handed you the goggles, and I started figuring out what made you tick. Then when I examined the cards and saw their potential, they 
began to explain the spell to me that I needed to escape. The cards wanted me to control them. So once I knew the spell and what I would need to do, the rest was easy. I had some mixed feelings and tried to warn you a couple of times to let it go, but you were so obsessed with getting all the cards. Once you had the final card, I made my decision. I had already started getting more and more influence over your body. All your choices led up to me having control and the cards. After everything we went through, you do this to me? Ethan screamed so hard he turned red and his voice cracked. Yes. See, you think like 10 years and some odd days is a long time to spend with someone. No, let me put it in perspective for you. I was in prison there for over 2,000 years. 2,000. And in there, time feels different. 2,000 years feels more like 20,000. I'm sorry you feel so betrayed, and I am sorry it had to be you. I understand. I do care for you. I couldn't take that prison any longer. You understand. Oh, and let me save you some trouble. There's no way to escape that shithole there. I tried and tried and tried. I don't care how much power you have. Nothing can save you. Except the Trumps. And I have those now. I'm sorry, Ethan, but I have to go. I'm going to hunt down the rest of your friends and kill them like I did Valk. Especially Sparkles, since she can communicate with you. Then after that, I'm going to use these cards here and change a lot of things. You know what I mean? You felt the power of the cards. You said it yourself. What has freedom of choice done for the world? Don't worry. I share a lot of the feelings you do. And we'll, re we'll reshape the world in a way you'd be proud of. I wish I could say I'll see you later. But I'm afraid this is the end for you. Cat! The room started to vanish and only darkness replaced it. Cat! Ethan was all alone in the darkness. And his heart felt defeated and destroyed. He wished he had never learned of magic. He realized as he drifted through the cold darkness that magic really sucked. This is not the end. Book 2, Magic Really Sucks, Volume 2, Liberation, continues the saga. Alright, we finished it. Dun dun dun, dun 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 dun, dun 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 dun. Which is cool because... My eyes was starting to blur out on me and my, my, my back and everything is really hurting like a crazy some bitch. So that's it. That's That ends uh, the first book. And we will begin on the second book probably probably next week. I'll make a decision next week. Maybe what we'll do is we'll do a... Um, we'll do a uh, episode. Uh, maybe a Q&A or something. Maybe kind of just a, you know, a powwow talking about the first book and stuff. And uh, see see if anybody's even interested in that. And if not, then we'll just dive into the second book. So that's it. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, enjoy the rest of your weekend. And I will see you guys same bad time, same bad channel next week. All right, guys.